Ladies, if you are tired of the traditional group coaching model that was right for a season, but it isn't right for now, if you are ready to have elevated conversations, ready for masterminding in the truest sense of the word, where you combine your collective wisdom and your collective intelligence and what God is speaking to your heart, if you are ready for an experience that takes your soul into account, into your life and relationships and the totality of you into account, then I want you to connect with me because God has given me the vision for a mastermind experience that is like no other, that is really going to take you to the next level in your business, in your relationships, in your life, where you can connect with some extraordinary women just like you who are ready to go all in on the vision that God has given them. An awakening is happening, and I know you're feeling it in your soul. A renaissance is happening, and it's time for you to emerge. I want you to message me. I want you to go to my website and reach out because I really, really want to connect with you more, have a conversation and really talk to you about this mastermind experience that is by invitation only. And it'll be a select group of extraordinary women who want to go all in on what God is calling them to do. Don't wait, don't delay, because these invitations won't be available for long. And I want you to be at that table with us. Welcome to the Elevated Podcast. I'm Amy Van Slambrick, former corporate executive turned therapist and coach to high profile women and couple entrepreneurs. And we are going to have the conversations you've always wanted to have with the people you have always wanted to know. We are going to bring your life, your faith, your business, and most of all, your relationships to an elevated level through conversations you've never heard before. Tune in and stay with us because it's about to get really, really elevated. Welcome. I'm Amy Van Slambrook. I'm a CEO, strategist, therapist, and coach, and I am on a mission to help connect you with stories of two individuals who together are creating a legacy of prosperity, faith, and love, because we have never been in a time when we needed these stories as much as we need them today, because I know if you're viewing this today, you are a person who wants to create a legacy. And I have two of the most amazing individuals who make a wonderful team together in life and in business. I want to welcome Scott and Nancy Aaron. It's great to have you guys. Well, thank you, Amy. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you are not going to believe the story that Scott and Nancy are about to share with you because um, they have been on quite a journey during their time together. And I think you guys have lived two or three lifetimes already in your journey together um, as a married couple and even before you got together. And so can you give a brief introduction of each other um, as we start our conversation out? Ladies first. <laughs> Brief introduction. Do you want me to introduce him or yes, me? <laughs> yeah. 
excellent. This is fun. Um, so yeah, so this is Scott, my husband. Um, he is a, actually one of those like entrepreneurs since he was 18, um, and hasn't looked back. Uh, so he's definitely, uh, always been his own boss and, uh, you know, Scott is a LinkedIn expert, uh, but he's also a wealth of knowledge around just building your brand online and, um, I mean, speaking and coaching. Uh, he just is amazing. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a little harder than I thought. How, um, how did you meet? Oh yeah, oh my gosh, funny story. So I, I actually had um, a few, a little over five years ago. I had just gotten out of a really long uh, relationship. And I had started my entrepreneurial journey, uh, which I started my first company and, uh, I felt pretty unconfident and I was in a different place. You know, I was kind of bootstrapping things and getting things started. And I actually started to think maybe I wasn't going to date again. And I was happy with just getting pets and animals. And, you know, I was kind of like setting myself up for that situation. Um, and roommates. Yeah. Like I was just kind of like, okay with it. Um, but one of my roommates actually at the time, uh, cause I actually rented my rooms out to Princeton off campus housing. And, uh, one of my roommates at the time, uh, Annie, she was like, Nancy, you got to download a dating app. Like just get with the times I did it. I had a summer. Yes. <laughs> and I went on all these dates and it was so fun. And so we laughed and so Seriously, at the kitchen table, we sat there and I downloaded uh, Bumble mm-hmm. and Bumble, the first person to pop up on Bumble on the dating app was this one here. Oh, and we were like, oh, he's cute. You know, we swiped and lo and behold, he swiped as well. And uh, he was actually my first Bumble date. And so that was our little, you know, online <laughs> connection. <laughs> I love it. I love it. First and last, that was a, a valuable download for sure. He <laughs> was beating the algorithm even on Bumble. So I <laughs> right? absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. And uh, so I guess I, it's my turn now. Absolutely. So um, this is Nancy Aaron, um, my wife. Uh, she's also been an entrepreneur her whole life. Her and her girlfriend, Dawn, actually sold Beanie Babies uh, <laughs> online when they were like 11 years old. And I was like super rich. I was like, they were making kid. thousands yeah. thousands of dollars as like 11 year olds selling Either Beanie Babies. Six figures as 11 year olds. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, Nancy is, is truly that, that marketing and branding uh, expert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she has... Uh, over 15 years of experience, you know, not just uh, working in corporate America as a, uh, a team leader and uh, on the executive side, managing and leading people, but um, having that, that marketing and that team leadership background has translated into all the other things that she's been able to do with uh, her remote house cleaning business. And now the team that we're growing with our businesses together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she's one to never want to put the spotlight on her. She's very happy <laughs> being behind, like being the cameraman and just, you know, waving from there. Um, so mm-hmm. she knows that stepping into her power and kind of showing up more because there's a lot of people that don't know how amazing she is at what she does. And, you know, I tell her all the time how grateful I am that that we ended up, you know, crossing paths and, and finding each other <laughs> because, we, we both agree that if, if this didn't work, which it's working, obviously, and it's going to work, but we, we know that we could not be with anybody else. If there was a, a perfect person that we could end up with, 
you know, it, it took a couple uh, long-term relationships, uh, both of us to, to kind of go through all that, to find each other, but we complement each other very, very well. Her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. And we learn from each other. And, uh, you know, she says it best, we water each other, which again, if you uh, give something enough water, it's going to grow and it's going to prosper. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful and so rare. You know, you both are so intentional about your relationship and just the little bit that I've garnered from the way you do marriage, you know, is, is so mindful of what is going to create a long lasting relationship? What's going to create something of depth, not just something that, you know, you can be two friends one day or your two ships passing in the night, but you really are a team, you know, and, and that is evident in the way that you show up in your business and the way that people experience you. But I also want you to know that even as a, as a couples therapist, I see it in the way you look at each other, in the way you honor each other um, and your demeanor towards one another. And that, that doesn't happen by default, you know? So I know that it would be really, really helpful for our audience to share some of the tools that you two use, you really use them. You don't just read about it. You actually put it into action that really have helped to deepen your relationship, which then I really believe proliferates into your business success, which has been remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a few things. It's funny because Scott and I actually just did our first podcast episode as a couple um, not long ago. And like Scott said, I've been happy kind of being behind the scenes for like a while. And now that we actually have a program together um, and we're doing things kind of, you know, together in this, it's really like, I mean, caused me to stretch and grow and things like that. But, you know, I think about the different tools and the different things um, that I kind of fall back on as far as pillars, like, you know, when we do have a little bit of like, you know, if there's any kind of friction or anything. And, you know, one thing I learned, um, you know, even before we first got married, I read this article. Um, it was about how you should have observations, not expectations uh, in your relationship. And it was something that really stuck with me. And the story was basically like, you know, here's an example. You know, a lot of people have expectations of their partner, meaning like I expect to come home from work and dinner's ready and I'm ready to go. Right. And that if I don't get that, I'm going to be very like passive aggressive and I'm going to be angry because I didn't get what I expected. Right. Whereas on the other side, if you're more observant and you're actually like assessing the situation and you can kind of like adjust as needed, it could be an example of maybe uh, somebody gets home from work and they realize it's chaos in the house. And, you know, it's like, hey, I need you to jump in and maybe help out with dinner because it's been a day, uh, you know. It, it takes away a lot of that friction and that animosity and things like that. So that's kind of like a pillar thing. Um, I think throughout our relationship, I was always, I always think about, right. Where, you know, I don't really expect all these things to happen, even though honestly, like he's, he's like a unicorn man. Um, I've never been in a relationship where I've had a more thoughtful partner who actually, I mean, he'll do all these little things. Like he does my coffee in the morning, like he'll empty the dishwasher. He's got his own little like routine, but like, he's so thoughtful. And it's like, I don't even have a chance to get like upset about anything, but you know, I do practice that. Like, you know, I, I do observe things. And then the other side of that is, you know, practicing gratitude. 
there doesn't go like, you know, more than a month at a time where I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. Like for the life that we have, uh, and the life that we're building. And it's like, I think, you know, he even said in past relationships where the other person really didn't appreciate him and like all the things that he was doing. And again, I think it took us being in some crappy relationships to get us to the point where we really understand what we have is so special and make us appreciate each other that much more. Um, and so that's a huge one. Like, don't forget to say thank you or to say the things that you really appreciate in your partner. And it's funny because I go back to, you know, my days in leadership and it's like the best way to build a culture of positivity and wonderfulness is to recognize your team, not to hold them accountable and tell them everything that they're doing wrong, right? If you want to build happy and positivity, you've got to recognize when they do things right. And so I think a lot of people always do the latter. They're always pointing out things that aren't being done, um, you know, as opposed to some of the wonderful things that are being done. Um, so those are just like a few things. And, you know, we always go back to emotional maturity, <laughs> like, you know, before we freak out about anything, you know, or before we like, you know, have whatever it's like, let's just think about this for a second. Like, you know, and I always go by the rule of thumb, like even leadership, right. You kind of react under, you know, what's necessary. Like the people who fly off the handle and are like, wow, right. That's like, you know, we're going to talk about him behind his back, you know, like whatever, like that's craziness. But, you know, we always kind of like assess the situation, process it, and then, you know, like actually have an adult conversation about it rather than flying off the, you know, handle at every little thing. So that's another thing that we do. She's making me seem like I'm, per- I'm not perfect. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've become very, I would say, aware as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, when when you're in a relationship and, you know, not saying I did, but, you know, in relationships where you are constantly walking on eggshells and you're constantly waiting for another shoe to drop where, you know, you've done something wrong or this didn't go right. You mm-hmm. you kind of revert back and, and kind of just sit in the co- corner instead of being very proactive and you know, we have a very proactive relationship and we, we've always had that from day one, you know, we, we love filling each other's cups and, you know, very early on, we looked through, um, the five love languages cause we wanted to get to know each other's love languages better. That's huge. That's and, and, and again, you know, from, from the male perspective, you know, men typically do things uh, you know, or, or speak to a woman's love language based on their own, because, you know, again, it, it's nothing against what we do. It's just a, a natural thing. So I always recognize, you know, with Nancy's love languages, you know, being present and aware of, of them. And, you know, I love, I like words of affirmation. That's one of my, my love languages. I love when she tells me she loves me and she's proud of me. And, you know, thank you for doing this. I, I don't need that, but it's nice to hear. So all those things that she says that I do, I don't do them to get thank yous. I, I do it because I, I truly like to do it. It makes me, it makes me feel good. And, you know, very early on, uh, I remember being out to dinner one time and we were talking about a specific situation that we were that I was working through. And I started to revert back into my victim mentality. And she said, you know, if this is going to work from this day forward, there's no more you playing the victim, you 
own whatever it is you need to own. We talk through it and we move forward. And, and again, that was, that was big for me because I had never been with someone that says, you know, not so much stop being the victim, but like, let's like own it and let's move through it. So there's a, a new sense of confidence you get because you, you feel like it's okay. You know, I am human. People make mistakes. It's something that we can talk about. But I would say one of the, the strongest bonds that we have is open communication. And it's something that, that she's really been improving upon. Um, and, and she would, I'm not going to say it for, but she would say it, you know, the old Nancy would kind of bottle things up if, if she was, I was feeling, I was a feeling stuffer. Like I'd be like, like oh, you I'm know, gonna, but I keep it all to myself. Put that right down. <laughs> like, we're not here. allowed to cry in this house, you know, like, yeah. And then three that. weeks later, she's, you know, you know, like she's crying, up, crying and upset. Yeah, and yeah. so again, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, we're both very good on each other's energies. Like we can totally tell if something's off. Yeah. And we're in a season, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I'll say to her, I'm like, something's going on. And I always tell her, speak your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wait for something to get stuffed for you to feel a certain way. Speak your truth. And the gratitude, you know, we we have a, a couple's gratitude journal that we need to get back to. Um, but it's it's this three-year couple's gratitude journal that has every day, and you write the calendar year and the day that you wrote it. So each year that goes by, you can look back and see where you were on that specific date. Um, and like conversation cards. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that was also interesting, you know, we, um, we both love games, mm-hmm. um, video games and board games. Um, she's the Scrabble queen. Um, <laughs> I win at everything else, but she, she's got me in Scrabble right now, but I'm getting better. So, you know, whenever we would go out to dinner, very early on when we were dating, Nancy would get these conversation cards. And if uh, family comes over, we bring them out because again, it's, we, we've gifted them to people and just getting to know your partner on a, on a deeper level, because I think people, when they're, you know, with their spouse or significant other, you get a, you get comfortable and yeah. kind of just coast. And, you know, when you have these conversation cards and we like literally have a closet full, like I can't, I, mean, even... I could give a review. Like if you yeah. ever wanted to like pick, you know, the best ones I could literally go through. I have one that's called like therapy in a box. And it actually <laughs> asks like the tough questions. Yeah. There's even one where it's like the level of questions is like, how do you, you know, if you really want to like ask these. So yeah, yeah. I, I could do like a whole review. And it just, it, it allows you to get to know your partner that much better and uh, get closer. And, you know, you, you should not only be best friends with your significant other, but you should date your significant other just because you're married doesn't mean you still like, we have date nights where, you know, we'll put on music and um, we got a record player for the holidays, we'll throw a record on, we'll get Scrabble out, you know, break open a bottle of wine and just spend some time together. So it's, you know, you, you have those kind of things together. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love from both of you, you know, as we focus more on gratitude, which you were just talking about is such a big part of your relationship. It also helps to focus those conversations because I think what happens in, in so many couples is that it can easily go into this venting session, you know, where you're venting to each other about your day or what didn't happen the way you wanted it to, or what was painful, or even about what's not working in the relationship. 
And that can start to become a, a pattern. And of course, that affects our ability to really create the kind of relationship we want and create the legacy that we want. And it just proliferates and it's drip by drip, you know, just like a Chinese water torture. It's it's really mm-hmm. going to um, erode the quality of the relationship unless you're intentional, like the two of your being, which is just incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how have you two, speaking of legacy, really um, joined together, um, you know, because I know you, you came together and you knew you wanted the same things. And yet it's also about wanting the same things for what you create um, in the generations that follow you. I've always been a very um, independent person, you know, my whole life. And I know we talked about it, um, you know, in part one, Uh, we talked about, you know, like kind of bottling my feelings up and things like that. And one thing that Scott's really helped with is um, he's made me feel like he's wanted me to be a part of things. And and that, I mean, it sounds kind of like, actually, I don't even know if I've ever told him this, but, you know, he always says like, let's do that together or let's do this training together. And it's like, he's been doing this and he was doing it longer than I was. And the fact that he's like, hey, I believe in you. You're awesome. And I want to show other people you're awesome too. It's kind of like, Ooh, that makes me feel super special. You know, it, it, you know, it makes me feel um, special. And honestly, like it, it gets me excited that I actually have a partner that we can do things together and he wants to do things together. And, you know, the fact that we can create programs and we can, um, can you move that? Um, we can create programs and we can, um, build all the different things that we're building. It's just like in this past year, especially it's opened up like a whole new, like just, I mean, next level of like what we're actually capable of doing, because I'll just give you an example. Like we joined a a program together, right. You know, this past year Mm -hmm. and I went in with my agency, he went in with his coaching business and they actually said, well, why don't you guys like fuse it together? Like you both have like, you know, really, you know, extreme different skill sets and where Scott's amazing with, you know, speaking and coaching and sales and all these wonderful things. I'm good at like the tech and the back end and the operations and the organization and team. Right. So we have very different skills and we had never really thought about really, really fusing it together. Um, you know, before then, and the fact that this past year we were able to think about it and actually say, we want to rock this. Like we want to build a legacy. We want to be a team. We want to crush this and create something like literally that's like so big. And so this past year, I mean, we've just been growing in all different ways, you know, not just entrepreneurship or in our relationship. And trust me, it hasn't always been rainbow and sunshine. You know, I think we've gone through kinks where it's like, you know, I get a little like headstrong about certain things and I'm like, no, we got to do it this way. You know, we're on this platform. And then, you know, he'll go over here and go, why can't we just do it this way? But (laughs) We talked through it. Um, you know, I was joking on a training, uh, the like it was a few months ago where Scott gets so excited where I just sit here like a bump on a log. And I'm like, I told him, I was like, I'm always like through the notebook because I'm like, what am I doing here? And he's like, you know, going crazy. And I'm like, okay, guys, well, I'll just go over here. But it's like those kinds of things, right? We're kind of like, you know, like it's the it's the funny little things that pop up. But again, it's that communication Instead of me bottling that up and saying, I'm so frustrated, I say, Hey, I'm frustrated. Can you stop that and like give me like the mic for a minute? Um, And we talk about it. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) 
Well, I, I can see you guys really like each other as well as love each other. And that's yeah. not something that we can take for granted in our relationships or in our marriages, you know, and, and that happens when you continue to date each other and you don't think that once the wedding has happened, well, that's it. That's pretty much I've done everything I need to do. And it's coasting now for the for the next 60 years or so. And that's just the opposite. You know, it's just the beginning. And I love that you know, there is a certain element of conflict and friction that keeps the spice in a relationship. Let's be honest, there, there needs to be that feeling of edge to each other and that balance, not that it gets to the point of attacking the other person um, or making them feel badly for what they're doing or that it's intentional, but bringing up those uncomfortable things is what allows for progression and movement, just like when we're training, you have to push. And I know, Scott, you know this all too well from your background in in the fitness industry, you have to push past those places with your muscles, but also in your relationships. Um, and, And that really is where you can develop such Herculean skills, you know, in in your marriage. You know, there's, there's an element that we often find awkward to talk about, right? When we're in these these circles um, and really talking about marriage, um, there are two actually. There's intimacy, but also there's money, right? And um, in my work with couples, one of the first things we do is always talk about their financial plan, which sounds horribly unromantic, but I said, look, it's also the number one reason why divorces happen. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. Um, in our work together. So how have you two, because this is all about um, creating a legacy where it's not about the materialism, but about your generosity and and your prosperity and what you're passing along. How have you two evolved that together in your relationship? Yeah. So one thing that I'll say, again, going back to my, you know, my things that I'm kind of, I've always been working through, you know, I, came from a very small upbringing. You know, I've struggled with money mindset, um, you know, for a long time in life. And I actually was the first in my family to graduate from college. Um, I busted my butt. I got a six figure job, you know, a couple years out of college. I mean, I work really hard for everything that I had and I really was independent in a way, almost like I kept to like, it was just, I don't know. It was like something where I just felt like I needed to take care of me. And it felt very weird to even fathom the idea of somebody else helping me with anything, right? Because my parents didn't help me. My, this didn't help me. That didn't help me. I needed to protect me and take care of me. And that was a whole nother thing where, you know, Scott came into the picture and here he is wanting to build a business together. Right. And, you know, he basically came in with the mentality of we are a team in this. And I had never heard this by the way. And he actually said this on our first date. This is like, I mean, kind of crazy to think about, but when we sat down there and we were talking, I kind of poo-pooed at the idea of marriage. I was kind of like, you know, I had been engaged twice. You know, I I kind of felt in a way, maybe I just won't get married. You know, I was in my thirties dating again. He had been married twice, you know, and it's like, we were having this conversation. I said, well, after being married, like what makes you believe in marriage? Like, why would you want to get married again? And he said, are you kidding me? Like who wouldn't want 
a team, you know, who wouldn't want to be part of a team and use the example of, was it like Tony Robbins or something? He used like someone at the time, but he basically said, I would love to have a partner where we could build and grow something together. And it's like, right away, it was like, okay, I've never met anybody like that or like you. And, and it really kind of got me thinking about marriage again. I'm like, well, if you treat it like that and it's a team and it's like building a life together, um, it's just like game over. So when we got into a relationship, one of my biggest like icky feelings and, and things that I just really felt sick about was I had quit my corporate job, right? You know, I wasn't bringing in a ton of money. I had student loan debt. You know, I had credit card debt. I had things that I was working through. And so I felt really vulnerable. Like I felt really kind of like exposed. I felt awful, you know, and, and tax season, I remember came around and I was still trying to like, you know, navigate all these different hurdles. And I just did not feel confident and good. Um, and every single time I opened up to Scott, he was kind and he listened, um, and he was okay. And even it was me, I realized down the road that it was me in the corner fighting my own battle by myself. And, and anytime I voiced it, there was support, right? You know, but over here, it was me wanting to keep this pain to myself because I felt, you know, that I owned it and I had to own it. And what happened was, is, you know, as we kind of progressed in our relationship and as I started growing my business, you know, as we started growing our business together, uh, which ultimately, right, I started doing a lot of things on the back end for him and, and so on and so forth. We just continued to grow as a team and things just started to be okay. Right. You know, and Come, you know, fast forward in to last year, I actually became completely debt free. I sold my house. Um, I ended up, you know, we grew our businesses together. I paid off my car. I literally, I, I go on credit karma and it 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 is so I, I do it every other week, like just to look at it. I'm like, okay, my debt was literally like, ah, no more student loans, like anything. And it's like, we were able to do all this while building a business and we're, we've been a team, we've done it together. Like, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm asked. I, I never really ask for much, right. I keep kind of, you know, in my lane and I just feel supported, you know, and it's like, that's just one thing. Again, I've never been in a relationship where I felt supported. I was always kind of the one supporting, um, or, you know, taking care of that. And it was probably also part of my problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think it's important for couples to be open about that kind of stuff because I was festering. Like I was scared. I was fearful. I kept it inside and I didn't tell him for a long time how I was feeling. And I mean, I was running myself in the ground, but as soon as I started to open up and share with him how I was feeling like this guy over here is like, are you kidding me? Like, we got this. We're good. Like, let's just start really focusing on what we need to tackle. And, you know, in our business, he kind of started helping me set goals and kind of see my, my way out outside of my own head and my own box. And, you know, here's where we're at. And, you know, again, we're a team and we're building some awesome stuff and we're on uh, operation debt free. That's our, uh, our journey. House, we want to pay house. off the house. We're going to pay off all the cars, which I think we have a little tiny nugget left you know, on the one. So, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of had a, a different um, upbringing. I, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a privileged household, but, um, you know, both my parents worked. My, my father always owned his own businesses. Um, if there was ever something that my sister and I needed, we asked, we got it. Um, but I wasn't like a... a uh, a gimme, gimme, gimme type of kid. Uh, I remember, and because I, I, I always, 
I, I don't know why this is coming up now, but I always remember my mom would take me to the mall to go clothing shopping before the school year. So we would, she would, you know, she's like, pick out your whole new wardrobe for the school year. And I remember I got to a certain age and I started to feel bad um, that my parents were like, I wasn't like pitching in, like they were just spending money on me. Right. I mean, again, any parent will do that for their child. Like, it's like my mom still to this day would, she does whatever she can for us. Um, But I remember I would pick everything out and then I would put everything back. And my mom would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't need any of it. I'm good. Um, You know, in middle school, I remember it was, you know, when I was in middle school, it was 1991, 1992. That was like when Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, the dream team was like really big. So Nike was really taking off. So everyone had to have the latest Jordans and the latest Barclays. So I remember that like everybody, like every two months was getting a new pair of sneakers. And, you know, I kind of rode that wave for a little bit. And then my dad used to have to drag me to the sneaker store to get new sneakers because I would just wear them till they fell off because I, I just I felt bad you know, always like, you know, getting a pair of Scotty Pippins for $115 as a 14 year old kid. I'm like, what, what is that? Like, I didn't, it's not that I had a bad money mindset, but it was, I, I wasn't doing something of my own. So I started working at a young age. I started working at, at 15. Um, and it was just a little odds and ends job when I was in high school. Um, but I always had a really good work ethic because I, I learned that from my dad, you know, um, he would, you know, his first company that he owned was all the way out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And from where we lived, he would have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to get there at five, um, to get there early enough so he could leave at three to be home at five o'clock for dinner because the rule in the house was, you know, um, everybody was at the dinner table by six o'clock at the latest for family dinner. That was Monday through Thursday weekends. We would do whatever we want. And, you know, Money was always one of those things where I really never had a concept of it. I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. Um, I didn't really have an attachment to it. There was no negative connotation. There's a lot of people that grow up in households where, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is evil. <laughs> money is bad. You know, rich people are this like, and we weren't, we weren't rich. Like we didn't have a big house at all, but, you know, I grew up in a very, you know, a typical Jewish community, you know, uh, my 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 family was entrepreneurs, but you know there was a lot of doctors and and surgeons. So, you know we we definitely did well. But my father and and my mother who worked and she didn't have to, but she she wanted to work. She was in sales, and I learned really good work ethic. And you know when I was a sophomore in college, um, my father ended up going to federal prison for um, uh, two and a half years. And at the time, this is how I got in the fitness industry. My father had purchased uh, a health club in preparation, knowing that it was going to be turned over to the family to have something monetarily to support us while he was gone. I I didn't know that was me. Um, So at at 19 years old, 18 and a half, it was turned over to me. So I, I jokingly tell people that I've been psychologically unemployable since day one. So I've, I've only learned I've only learned how to be my own boss yeah. and how to create money. So it's not that I, 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 I don't, I never make money. I create money mm. and it comes from transactions, whether it was someone signing up at the gym 
or someone buying a personal training package from me. I used to go to the grocery store with my client. They would pay me to grocery <laughs> shop with them. I would do boot camps. I taught classes. I would do corporate wellness speaking. So the I learned about being resilient in business. And one of the things that that really sets certain people apart from others is always looking forward. So going back to the fact that, yes, I'm, I'm twice divorced, you know, a lot of people would think, how did you keep moving forward to even want to get back in the, out in the dating pool again? Now, I had my reservations. I'm like, you know, I was a dad after the second divorce. So I'm like, all right, do I want? But I was always like, okay, yeah. this chapter just ended. It's time to write the next one. And I was always moving forward. So I always have uh, always had this resilient mindset that, you know, everything ends up working out in the end, no matter how short or how long that situation might take. Yeah. And, you know, with money, uh, I learned about, you know, saving uh, not from my family. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I, I did not. And they will tell you that my, 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 my mom, you know, loves buying stuff. Um, you know, my dad was, and is a, a, has a great business mind, but when it comes to money management, it's still something that he's, he's working on me. I learned from my peers. Uh, I remember at 20, 23, 24, uh, I joined a BNI group. And it was my first like time joining a networking group where I was networking with other business professionals. And uh, the, the treasurer of the BNI group was a gentleman by the name of Kent Keith. Hmm. And, oh, I didn't know that. and he was, uh, he, he was a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley Smith Barney at the time. And um, I, I, uh, I went up to him one day and I said, you know, listen, I, I know nothing about like savings. I, I was doing ING. If anybody remembers that I was doing ING direct where you would just like deposit money. And I'm like, Oh my God, I made $5. Like, <laughs> so I, I said to him one day, I said, listen, you know, I know nothing about investing. I know nothing about, you know, having money later on. I said, can you help me? And he typically works with people that, you know, higher net worth. Um, but he he started working with me and he goes, well, you know, what are, what are your goals? You know, what, what do you want to achieve? I said, listen, I said, if you came into the gym and you said, Scott, get me fit, get me healthy, um, I would tell you what to do. Hmm. And I said, I want you to do the same thing for me. I don't know money. I don't know financing. I'm going to give you my money and you know what best to do with it. So do that. And that was 18 years ago. And I've been with him ever since he actually went out on his own. Uh, and, you know, he's helped me uh, focus on not so much creating money for retirement, but starting um, having money working for you instead of you working for money, where I don't even think about where my investments go. Because, and, and I did this with my, uh, my health and my life insurance, you know, most people, they, I know this is going off on a weird tangent, but it all has to do with money. Most people, they get uh, term life insurance policies, whether it's a 20 year, 25 or 30 year term. You know, luckily I had a gym member who was a good friend of mine who went out on his own and he became a life insurance agent. And he said, listen, you really want to set yourself up for success later. You should have a term and a whole life. 
And so that was eight years ago. So I, I started building these financial vehicles and and I, I started to learn about you know passive income, residual income versus active income. Most people work to make money and then they have no clue what to do with it. It just sits in an account. And I always make sure that I have not just our finances in order, but our future in order. Well, and I before one K now too. You know, that was like another. Well, thing I got her started, like, and, yeah, and and I said, like, why you don't have to be in corporate America to have you know a yes. lot of these things, right? You know, because I used to have a four hundred one k, and I'm like, now I do too. Yeah. So uh, you know, I started with a traditional IRA, and then mm. because we we kept maxing out the IRA every year, I I opened up um, an individual four hundred one k, and then because we're now maxing that out every year. Um, profit sharing accounts are now opened. So you can be your own economy. You don't need to work for some, like all we created all of this and, you know, the whole debt free thing, operation debt free, you know, that's something that we talked about even before we got married, because we're not, you know, we're not attracted to stuff. There's so, you know, do we have the biggest house in the world? No, we have a absolutely gorgeous house that we love because it's so unique and, and special to us. Um, you know, we, we don't, I, I remember, um, you know, when, when, uh, she, she bought her car before we got married mm. and I was always that person that leased cars. Right. <laughs> and I remember that my, my lease was coming up on my last car and I called the dealership and they're like, Hey, we can slide you into another one. And it's only going to be this amount of money. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't want unnecessary bills. So I, and Nancy knows how I am when I get focused on something and I say something's going to happen, it happens every single time. And I told her the exact make and model of the car that I wanted to find. And we bought it. And Nancy said, we're like a small piece away, um, like $6,000 away from paying it off. And we will have no car payments. And then I'm getting my Wrangler. (laughs) She's going to buy herself a Wrangler, but then we're going to start chopping down the house. So people have to understand that money is a mindset. You know, it's, it's your relationship with it. If you are, I can't tell you that I, I don't worry about it anymore. And it's not because we're, we're at a, a, a certain financial status. It's just, what's the point of worrying about money? Because it doesn't worry about me. Yeah. It's not sitting there. It's like, what's Scott doing? Why isn't he trying to get me? It's, it's, it's not, it's not like that. It's just, you know, when, when you cut the tot, when you cut the emotional ties and the negative relationship and the connotation around money, and you start, honestly, I mean, we do a, a money mindset meditation every single night, before we go to bed, it's been the same one every night, every night for Jason four Stevenson. years, Jason Stevenson, it's the same. And it's, it's all these money mindset mantras that yeah. play in the background. So, you know, when our, when our brainwaves are going, we're still absorbing that information. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that anyone that is listening to this or watching this, that is in a specific financial situation that you're not happy with, that could be changed in a very short amount of time. And it's about understanding that there is so, and Nancy reminds me, reminds me of this all the time. There are billions of people in the world and there's trillions of dollars out there that 
is enough to spread around to every single person if you want it. But most people stand in their own ways of success. They don't even know what they want. (laughs) And this is something that Nancy, Nancy, I always talk about. She said to me the other day, she goes, what's the number one thing that people are struggling with? And it's clarity. People have no clue about what they want. They don't know. You ask someone, you know, what do you want your life to look like? Do you know the number one answer on the board if we were playing Family Feud is I don't know. Well, and I love the quote by Tim Ferriss. It's like, you know, all these people are like, you know, like upset about this goal or this dream or this life that they've always wanted. And then when you ask them about it, they don't know what the heck they really even want. Like, what is that, that life even look like? You know, it's funny because, you know, every once in a while, right. Like my money mindset, I did a lot of work on myself. You know, I, I became NLP certified, um, last year, just kind of as like an extra thing for me. And, you know, I will cyclically, and it's funny, it'll come around every once in a while and I'll get that little, like, Oh, you know, that little money like thing. But it's like, when I get on the other side of that, it's like, oh my gosh, I really do believe like you literally can create money from like everything. Like I, I was telling Scott this today, like if tomorrow I had to make X amount of money, I know exactly like probably 20 ways I could, I could get there. Like, it's just such a big shift. Um, and again, me trudging through and getting through all like my feelings and, you know, when we first met, I mean, again, I don't even think he knew how like, you know, insecure and awful I felt about things. Um, but you know, again, it's like, we can get through it. Like, you know, so what now what, you know, it's like, there's always going to be, um, you know, no matter how bad it gets, it's always going to get better, you know? And I'll, I'll finish with this just really quickly is what I will tell you is that social media has made it very difficult for people to really grasp the idea of what a healthy relationship with money is, because you see all of these people that seem to be killing it online, they're living this best life. They have all these fancy clothes and name brand. Like I've never seen so many women with Chanel belts <laughs> ever in my entire, and they're, they're standing there proud and they have their, exactly they have, somebody in chinatown is making a killing yeah, not even that but like the, the the gucci fanny packs like i mean that's what that's what bodybuilders wear when they go to the gym because they're so big they can't put anything in their pockets so the fact is is that you don't know how much of a hot mess express most people are on the other side of that instagram account because people are only showing you the highlight reel the one thing that i love about nancy and myself is that we are not ostentatious for a minute. You never see, like we have, we have two really nice cars and no one even knows about them because (laughs) we don't care if people know what kind of cars we have, because it's not up to everybody else. It's what fills us up. And, and again, we want people to see us for who we really are. We want people to get to know us for who we are. We show up, you know, as who we are, very genuine, very authentic, very real and this is why I, 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 you know, Nancy, I tell her all the time, I have this wavering love and hate relationship with social media because, you know, so many people have been given outlets to voice certain things. And I just wish more people would use it in a more transparent, honest, genuine, and real way to really give more people hope instead of them making them feel bad about where they maybe could be, but you could be if you buy my course. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and we could. I know the three of us could go on for hours about this because so much of this is interwoven. You know, the the element of you both embracing your ability to create your own economy 
involves faith. It also involves love, you know, and, and that you have approached your relationship and the love aspect and the currency of what you two have created within the bonds of your marriage with the same sort of intention um, and the same sort of learner's mindset and growth mindset that you are now also applying to your financial prosperity, you know, and I think so many times we we separate and we segment, but really it's about having that one unified heart towards how you approach all of those elements, because it isn't about the, the currency of money. It isn't about the currency of prosperity. It's about the fundamental concept of prosperity and abundance and how that that materializes, if you will, both in your love for each other and your monetary success and how you're handling that with such honor and such respect, just like you're handling each other's hearts. You're approaching it with the same sort of fascination and the same sort of respect. Um, and no wonder that's blessed, you know, and no wonder that's something that people are drawn to. How could they not be? It's magnetic because I think, you know, people also lack the real courage to voice what it is they really want. When I've done work with people with trauma, you know, we separate ourselves and we exempt ourselves from the life we really, really want because we think that it's not possible. And I think what you two are doing so beautifully together is that you're not only embracing the possibility and the probability within your own relationship, but you're also giving that sort of legacy to other people. You know, um, it isn't just about the course that you're selling or the coaching or the speaking um, or the back end work. It's about so much more. And I think that's why people are so drawn to you both, you know, um, because it's unmistakable. It, and it, it is so rare. It is so rare. Um, yeah, absolutely. I just, I love everything you guys have shared. I, I just, I want to go keep going on and on, but I, I need to like let you guys go to bed. Um, but just if you both could sum up for our audience, how would you define prosperity? All right. For me, the, the hands down number one way, you know, that I describe it is having the ability to have the time freedom in my life to do all the things that I want, spend time with my family, go on adventures, you know, relax, read, you know, so on and so forth that has been my everything, you know, my driving force. So when I think of prosperity, it's never been a money thing for me. Like it's never been a number, like a, oh my gosh, can't we till we hit a million. In fact, we laughed about it and we're like, we're, we're good. Like, you know, we're happy. We're taken care of. We have everything that we could ever want. But my favorite part is like, we actually are able to wake up whenever we want. And create our own schedule and do the things that we want and spend the time with our family, which previously to my entrepreneurship journey, I didn't have that. I felt so trapped. So for me, prosperity is that freedom to, you know, make those decisions and spend time with the people that I want to. I love that. Yeah. To me, prosperity, uh, just like success is a feeling. It's not a material thing. 
So anyone can feel prosperous, you can feel abundant, you can feel successful. And uh, to second what Nancy says, uh, that's what what true prosperity is. It's, um, you know, if you really think about the the two certainties in life, um, the day that you're born and the day that you die, you know, it's what are you going to do on those days in between? And the fact that we're living on a floating rock in the middle of the universe (laughs) Which I that that says something. I, I think people forget about that. We're like literally it's like this, a miracle every day. We're like this this speck, <laughs> you know. So the, the 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 word prosperity, the word abundance, the word success, it's all a feeling, just like happiness or love or appreciation. And when you get to wake up the way that we do, and there's not a day that goes by where we don't feel grateful or abundant or prosperous because we have our health. You know, we have our families, uh, we, we have each other, we have uh, a, a thriving company and business that we're growing that serves other people and helps them live a better life. Mm. Um, the money is just a side effect from the impact that is being felt by those that we touch. And it's, it's the more that you give out, the more that you get back. And it, it's all a side effect from that. And having the ability, and I, I know people may be listening and, and watching this, and it may sound a little airy fairy, but I, <laughs> I, 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 pr- I promise you when, when you, when you get to that point where you don't have to start work until 10 o'clock in the morning, like we do, and we get up at six o'clock every morning, we have the first four hours of our day and our morning to ourselves. It's just Nancy and I, first four hours, it's just us. And when you can end your day at six o'clock, and you can have dinner together every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to work and seven days a week. forward to work. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not work. It's mm-hmm. There is something very special uh, in, in, in that prosperous and abundant feeling, knowing that just the fact that we get to live that day, it's a victory. And I think focusing on those small, minute things, you know, the gratitude, it, it, it really doesn't get any better. You, you don't know when this ride is going to end. Yeah. And so why spend a day stressed, anxious, overwhelmed? Yes, there's going to be hiccups, but that's the roller coaster of life. Yeah. But really squeeze the juice out of every single day and really just enjoy it. And, and it's that feeling inside of you. It's, mm-hmm. it's not attached to the size of a house, the make and model of a car, the size of your bank account it's, it's inside of us all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So we'll be waiting for your book. Um, because we know that that's going to be coming out next The book you two write together. Um, putting a little plug in for that because you have we've been so, working, we've been working on that. I love it. I love it. I'm not surprised. You have so much wisdom to share. And I know people are going to want to connect more with the two of you, both personally and professionally, because there's so much that you have to offer. Where is the best p- place for people to find you both? Yeah. I mean, our, our main business website is the time to grow.com. Um, that's where you can read a little bit more about the both of us and, and our uh, products and services. Um, social media. I mean, if you just type in Scott Aaron or Nancy Evans, um, you'll find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, we'd love to connect with you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that a lot of people are going to want to connect in with you. And I just cannot thank you both enough, um, both for your friendship and also for the gift of your time and your wisdom and your transparency um, tonight with me. And so thank you so much. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate it and just grateful to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Elevated Podcast. You can find out more about me and the amazing guests on our show on my website, amyvanslambrook.com. And if you have a moment, we'd love to hear your honest review of the show because nothing lights my day up more than seeing your comments, your questions, your aha moments, because that's what this is all about. We want to elevate your thinking so you can elevate your life.